Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very experienced trainer from the US, Brian Flanagan. Brian, welcome to the show. I appreciate your invitation. Thank you. Brian is the founder of Flanagan Training Group, um, and in his journey, uh, he's moved from a salesman to a CEO. He's authored numerous training programs. He's worked with the Zig Ziglar Corporation for 25 years. So, Brian, today we'll talk about training. Mm -hmm. Tell me about uh, the Flanagan Training Group and, uh, you know, what made you start this? I've been in sales all my career. Mm -hmm. I was a struggling salesperson. I needed a lot of help, even though I was with the IBM Corporation and they gave world-class sales training and other training. It just didn't, didn't take. So I had to get the person right, not just the professional. Mm -hmm. And Zig Ziglar really helped me do that early in my career. And I really found out that you need to invest more in yourself mm -hmm. than you do in your profession because personal growth precedes professional growth. Okay. So I caught that early and I had a passion for training, a passion for learning, and that's how it kind of evolved. Terrific. So, you know, tell me, you've authored so many training programs. What goes into designing and delivering a good training program? Understanding needs. What, what, what do people need to be able to be successful in their chosen field? And one of the things that I found, especially with young people, I work a lot with universities mm -hmm. who have a sales certification program. Mm -hmm. I'm finding a lot of people in the business world are trying to sell before they're trained to sell. These okay. universities are teaching sales curriculum within the universities to attempt to generate a, a, a new level of sales expertise for their mm -hmm. graduating students. Right. And I think that's what we, we need. We, we need to continue to hone our skills, both the mindset and the skill set. Yet we have a lot of non-traditional salespeople that are still uncomfortable with wearing the title of salesperson. Wow. Okay. So I think there's a great need for process-based training, mm -hmm. not just the analytics, but the interaction, the relationship selling side. Hmm. That's what I concentrate on. Fascinating. And, you know, when I was reading about you, uh, your workshop, Effective Business Presentation Skills, lists out 11 essential skills. For my viewers and listeners, tell us about these 11 skills. One of the needs that I discovered when I was with IBM, as great as it was back in the day, was that we prepared everybody to do these things with product knowledge, with systems knowledge, application, industry, competitive knowledge, all of this stuff. But what do we say when we have to stand up and say it? Mm -hmm. How do we say what we need to say when okay. we have to say it? Mm -hmm. There was a lack of delivery skills. Mm -hmm. I work with clients who have content confidence, but they don't necessarily have delivery confidence. Mm -hmm. So the 11 skills that we work with are, are broken into three areas. The first key is the visual, mm -hmm. which is the physical, the nonverbal. And that, that is appearance, posture, gestures, eye contact, and facial expressions. Okay. We then work with the, the verbal side, which is your voice, the intonation, 
the pacing, the volume. The other part of voice is eliminating some of the filler words. Mm. Those words, you know, uh, 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 when yeah. we we use a word or a sound that allows us to think out loud, what I've learned is the audience doesn't need to hear the sound of your search engine. Very well said. Mm. We're, we're trying to teach you to, to search in silence. Mm -hmm. Th those are the skills we teach in the verbal side. Then the validation side is really once you have the visual, the verbal, what techniques do you use to ensure and assure that you're conveying meaning. And those are revolve around audience involvement, conducting a question and answer, using your visuals, occasionally, occasionally using humor. Mm -hmm. So those are the, the 11 skills that we teach and we, we drill for skill with a lot of recordings and feedback. Fascinating. And tell me, you know, people often say that this guy is a natural speaker. He was, he's born a good speaker. Is there anything like that or does everyone need to be trained? The problem I have with natural born anything, mm -hmm. I, I don't trust natural born salespeople, nor do I trust natural born cardiologists. Okay. <laughs> because I don't want a natural born okay. cardiologist ad-libbing through my chest cavity. Well said. Okay. I want somebody that's trained. Here's mm -hmm. basically what we work with. Some people do have a propensity to be good on their feet, to be glib, to be fast talking fast, quick-witted. However, sometimes that doesn't transfer into effectiveness. Mm. One of the things I work on, especially with, with executives, is that they tell me I'm comfortable in front of a group. Mm -hmm. well, that may be the case, but I would ask how effective are you in front of a group? Some of the things we do in a comfortable fashion do not transfer into effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Some of our comfort can be distracting. And for new people, for the, for the younger folks that are going into the business world or moving into management, emerging leaders, they have a tendency to know their product and know the systems. Hmm. But when they stand up to deliver, they have all the attention on themselves. Mm -hmm. And if you get wrapped up in yourself, you have a small package. We're trying to teach the skills necessary to take the attention off yourself and focus it on the audience and the subject matter. And I'm finding a lot of the young people moving into the to business world don't have that background of effective communications. Wow, fascinating. So let's talk now a little bit about your book. Now go sell somebody something. Uh, what skills does one need to be a good salesperson? I mean, you know, once you've been, you've been through all the 11 essential skills, right. how do I, I mean any individual, how does one actually implement all the learnings and uh, give me an example uh, of some people who you have worked with? Let, let me give you a couple of, a couple of points. Uh, number one, I think most people's success in any endeavor is focused on a couple of things. Number one is work ethic. Mm -hmm. And number two is self-belief. Okay. On the work ethic side, you need to work smart. You need to work hard. But one of the things that, that I believe we've lost, is, and now this is the States, it may not be worldwide, yeah. but one of the things that I've noticed having been in the business world for 50 years mm -hmm. is that we, we've lost a work ethic that says we show up, we show up on time and we show up dressed to play. Mm -hmm. 
I, I think that slipped a little bit. And, and I'm, a, I'm a big believer that if you start at eight, you, you're there before eight. Correct. If you, if you work to five, you, you stay there past five. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that it, it's two hours past five, yeah. but I think you need to put in a full day. Correct. And a work ethic, I'm a big believer that you're, you shouldn't let your competitors outwork you. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that's hard and smart work. It's mm-hmm. not just long hours. I'm not just talking about that. And the second thing really is that self-belief mm-hmm. that I'm not all that I can be, not all that I should be, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. Mm-hmm. And that's where the continual learning comes in. And I, I was I was blessed enough to have worked with Zig Ziglar for 25 plus years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things Zig modeled he showed us on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. You never graduate from learning. Well said. That's really amazing learning for all our viewers and listeners. Right. So, Brian, you know, you've been in training for a long time. <laughs> yes, I and have. Tell me, how has training changed over the last few decades? Training has changed a lot during that period of time. Obviously, there's more online training you can get training delivered in different ways. Mm-hmm. There's just a myriad of ways you can do that through online, through uh, like what, what we're doing now. But what hasn't changed is that it's got to be skill-based and it's got to be reinforced. Mm-hmm. There, there's a difference between education and training. Mm-hmm. And if I can be real glib, and I, I, I don't mean to be insulting mm-hmm. to anyone, but I heard a professor the other day say, what's the difference between training and education okay and jokingly now this jokingly he said i'll tell you the difference Mm -hmm. with a question would you want your children to be in sex education or sex training (laughs) okay so so again we we can educate but to apply it that's where the training comes in so that's where the drill for skill i think most people in my industry now are wanting return on their investment dollars so tell me how this training is going to impact my workforce. Mm. If you can show me an ROI, we'll talk. Mm. In the past, that wasn't, it was always important, but it wasn't as important as today. Okay. And, um, you know, my next question to you relates to the pandemic. All of us are. I've heard of it. <laughs> yes. It, and it will be part of our life forever now. Yeah. Uh, for someone who needs to look the audience in the eye and train yeah. and probably walk up and down the stage talking to a hundred people or more, yeah. uh, which is why I, you know, uh, I'm referring to you. How has working from home uh, made you adapt your training programs? Working from home took my, my business to another direction. Mm-hmm. Working from home is easy. Training from home is a challenge. Correct. So I was for 36 years, I was a classroom corporate trainer. Mm-hmm. I, I would fly to a city and I would speak for train for a day or two, depending on what, what the situation was. We'd do some feedback, usually conference calls, audio conference calls. Mm-hmm. And it's flipped because now I'm spending most of my time in a virtual environment. Mm-hmm. The downside of that is I can't feed off the energy of the audience. Correct. I've got to bring that energy. Mm-hmm. I was working with a banker last night. He's, he's on the West Coast. 
And we were talking about just that. How, how does he, how does he energize his audience mm -hmm. that morning? He had two presentations, one for 40 people and one for 18. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that second one with 18, he was just drained energy wise because he had to bring that energy. That's mm -hmm. something that, that you have to supply now. Mm -hmm. you, you can't let the interaction and, and, and I call it cross pollination of the audience. So that's, that's one of the biggest things I had to learn to do. And I think I'm a high energy person, mm -hmm. but it, it, it moves up a level when you're in this little frame. Here. Absolutely. But, but you know, but the, to give you another perspective, I was speaking to somebody else and they said, while we are not able to look our audience in the eye or be in the same room as them, look at the technology now where I can train anyone anywhere in the world. What are your that, thoughts? Very positive. That, that's a very positive thing. And you said earlier through the pandemic, we'll not return to where we were life-wise. We're not going to return to where we were business-wise, certainly training-wise, because we found that this works as much as we fought it and much as we, as we struggled against it. Correct. It works. Mm -hmm. I, I had a young salesperson that I was training last year mm -hmm. and the pandemic hit. And he was going to go to virtual sales calls. And he told his company, mm. I can't build a relationship virtually. Mm. He had the best sales year of anybody in the company. Mm -hmm. he, he broke all the records because he found out he could build relationships. Mm. He could build rapport via virtual environment. Correct. Correct. And, and, and he it loosened up toward the end of the year where he had more face-to-face. -face. But the first six months, he did all virtual and he had a wonderful year. Amazing. Amazing. We can't, we, we're, you know, the pe people are kind of resilient. We, we can, we can bounce from, from one environment to the other. We, we oh, get adjusted as, as I, you and I have. <laughs> absolutely. In fact, I was just going to say that, you know, I also used to do my interviews in a physical studio, but I was restricted to the guests who could actually come to the studio. That's I would right. never had an opportunity to meet you and talk to you uh, had it not been yeah. the pandemic. Yeah, for me to get from Dallas to New Delhi, I'd have to get up real early. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be probably an 18 or 20 hour flight. So exactly. I agree with you. So moving on, Brian, uh, a question I've often asked my uh, human resources people when I was running large companies was how do we measure that training is working? I'd love to get your inputs. I'd love to have a better answer than I'm going to give you. Because there's so many variables. In other words, when I go in and train a sales force or I go in and train a management team on presentation skills, the, the return on the investment is really back. The responsibility, it goes back to the management team. Mm -hmm. And if the management team will follow what we've trained and give feedback on it, they, they can measure where they were to where they are now. The problem is the follow-up. Therefore, what we're trying to do in, in my company, we're trying to do some reinforcement and the reinforcement is easier now because if it's a national or global company, we can do it virtually mm -hmm. and have those weekly or monthly quarterly, if you will, we can have those checkups. Mm -hmm. If that's not the case, then the management team has got to implement and be committed to continuing that improvement. And we teach how to do that on a sales call, what to look for. When the sales process breaks down, what should the manager coach mm -hmm. the salesperson to move to the next level? 
if they follow those, they can measure the ROI. But if not, they're really sometimes we call it throwing a bone. We're trying to placate the employees by saying, we gave you training. <laughs> so that, that's where one of the things, training, that's where it's broken down throughout the years is the follow-up to be able to measure that ROI. Fascinating. So I've got one more question related to training, and then I move to a few other questions. Okay. Uh, this is now the age of the millennials and the Gen Zs. Mm -hmm. You have been training people across ages for many decades. Yep. My question to you is, what is your understanding of the difference of training someone of my age in, in my 60s and someone who's in his, in his or her 30s? I think the people in the 30s are skeptical. Uh -huh. They need to know if this is going to help me or if I'm just going to a meeting. Okay. In the old days, when again, with IBM, and I love IBM, in the old days, we were told to go to training. We went to training and didn't question it very much. Now, they also were good enough at, at a large corporation like that to make sure the training was impactful. I think the kids now, the, these younger, the younger generation is, is really asking the question, what's in it for me? Mm -hmm. More so than my generation did. Sure. So you've got to bring something that's pertinent to their world. And their world is serving. Their world is, is having a purpose bigger than themselves. How is this going to help me impact my long range? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, I think in working with these students at various universities here in the States, that you got to give them something they can use pretty quickly. Mm. They're, they're a little impatient. They're, they're telling me that they, the managers that work with them, we, we start them on a Thursday and they want to be promoted to, by Monday. Yes. So you got you to give them something that's usable quickly. Yes. Well said. Well but, said. but at the same time, let, let me say this as well. Mm -hmm. Having I'll spend tomorrow, I'll spend two hours virtually teaching presentation skills mm -hmm to a introduction to sales class at one of the universities in an adjoining state mm -hmm. here, here in the States. And they get, a, they get so excited mm -hmm. about actual hands-on because I'll teach presentation skills in two hours, mm -hmm. but during those two hours, they'll have three different practice sessions Okay. where they've got to stand up and deliver to their breakout rooms. Mm -hmm. And they want it to be fun, uplifting, and, and, and kind of energized. Mm -hmm. But they also want to learn from it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm, I'm learning is that I need to be more interactive with the younger generation than I was with my generation. Wonderful. Wonderful. And that's a phenomenal answer. I've not heard this from too many people. So, Brian, I'm not going to move to a few more questions. Mm -hmm. um, my audience loves to get to know my guest a little better. So I have two or three questions for you, what are called personal questions. So as a, an experienced trainer, what are some of the core values you believe in? Helping. I'm a big believer, helping and contributing. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I sign off a, a letter or an email or a text, when I'm trying to reinforce what we've said, one of the things I try to leave with is please let me know how I can contribute to your success. Mm -hmm. I'm in the helping profession. Okay. I try to really, if, if I can, again, be flipping here, I'm in the transportation business. <laughs> I take people from where they are to where they want to be. Amazing. Yep. 
Mm. And, and that's my goal. If, if you have an objective you're trying to reach, I'll let you know up front if my training is the best vehicle to get you there, that direction. So one of the things I think that you need to have is, a, is an understanding that you're helping people move forward. With that comes an understanding of where they are. Right. And I work with a lot of non-traditional salespeople. I work with, I've made a living doing this. Mm. I work with people that don't want to be professional salespeople, mm-hmm. but have to be professionals who can sell. Okay. We Very have a client in Southern California. They are selling to chemists throughout the nation, throughout the world. Mm-hmm. They're selling to chemists. Now, they have a former background, and whether it be studying at university or whether they were former chemists, mm-hmm. found out they can make more money selling right. than, than as a chemist. And they're professionals. They know their craft. What they're having trouble with is actually picking up the phone and dialing. Mm-hmm. They're having trouble asking the hard questions. Well, if they have the mindset that you're trying to force something, mm-hmm. they're not going to be as successful. So here's what I've come up with that, that's really impacted my career. And I stole this from somebody. So if you steal from me, you're stealing twice. <laughs> okay. I've come up with this sentence that I was taught. I modified it a little bit, but here, here's the sentence. The intent behind your technique determines your ethics. Mm-hmm. If the intent behind your technique is to help this person contribute, mm-hmm. then your sales techniques are fine. If you're trying to force fit because you haven't asked enough questions to determine what the person needs, mm-hmm. then I question your ethics or I question your professionalism because a true professional salesperson is trying to leave the person better than when he met the person. Okay. I think you need to be a contributor. I think you need to be a, have an understanding and you need to be a helper. Wonderful. So um, I have time for now two more short questions. Uh, from where you stand today, as you look back at life, mm-hmm. what does success mean to Brian? Family. My success is family. My motivation is family. We have two adoptive children. We adopted our children. They were infants. We, we've, we've nurtured those kids. My, my wife wanted taught school for several years. And then we, the children were placed with us through adoption. She wanted to be a stay at home mom. We've worked very hard to allow her to do that. Obviously the children are grown, they're adults, but we have another generation coming up with our grandchildren. Mm -hmm. So my motivation is family. Wonderful. Wonderful. And my last question to you, what would your advice be to young individuals starting off on a sales career? Mm -hmm. Two things. Learn your profession. You never graduate from selling. Okay. Learn your profession. And secondly, as a salesperson, learn to respect your profession. Wonderful. The the biggest challenge I had, I thought selling was a personality Mm. and I was miserable. When I understood that selling was a process, not a personality, once I got a relationship-based process, my career took off. Amazing. Amazing. Brian, on that note of learn your profession and learn to respect your profession, I want to thank you for the incredible conversation you and I have had. Thank you for taking me down this incredible journey of selling and training. Yeah.
Thank you and good luck. Appreciate you. Best of luck to you. Stay healthy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.